Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Association Leadership Radio. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Association Leadership Radio, and this is going to be a fun one. Today on the show, we have Sarah Peck with AVIX Aerospace. Welcome, Sarah. Hello, glad to be joining you, Lee. Well, I'm excited to learn what you're up to, but before we get too far into things, tell us about AVEX. How are you serving folks? So AVEX is a full-service, full-spectrum ISR provider, intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance. And I know that sounds a little scary, but just so you know, we're doing some good work helping the folks out in Ukraine. Um, Our why is empowering people to make the world a safer place, and we really are committed to supporting folks on the ground, whether they be Department of Defense contractors or U.S. or foreign military elements. Um, We do some really great work. We save lives. Uh, A lot of that I can't talk about, but... um, yeah, we're, uh, we're, I'm super pumped about our mission, our people. It's a really great place to be. Now, as the head of talent acquisition, um, you probably have uh, a bunch of challenges just in that job. Can you talk a little bit about your work there? Is it difficult to find folks? Um, it can be. Um, it can be uniquely challenging, but one of the real resources we've tapped into, and you probably hear talent acquisition folks talk about this all the time, but a strong referral network is really the way to go. Um, a lot of our folks, I want to say about 70% of our company is veterans, military, um, mill spouses, and so we have a good network within, um, you know, the Department of Defense and within the military, helping folks transition out of the military. Um, in terms of diversity metrics, the military is a great place to go for diversity. I mean, you have LGBTQIA+, you have different races, different neurological, neurodiverse Um, You have a lot of disabled folks who get out anywhere from 10% to 100% disabled via the VA. And so you really do tap into a very diverse network of people. And as I'm sure you've all heard, uh, the companies that hire diverse uh, traditionally outperform the companies who do not. And it's made for a very robust workforce. Now, what's your backstory? How'd you get involved in this line of work? Um, I've been in talent acquisition for, gosh, about eight years now. And um, I was in sales beforehand, which is everybody jokes about talent acquisition. You kind of fall into it accidentally. Uh, One of the routes to talent acquisition is via sales um, because a lot of the traits carry over. And um, I came to AVEX and worked my way up into a position of leadership. And uh, it's been incredibly fulfilling. Now, um, any advice for the talent that's out there to be found by people like you? Is there anything they could be doing uh, that helps them stand out or maybe get uh, identified as somebody worth getting to know better? Well, I want to call out an example of an intern who had applied to one of our internships. Our internships are highly contested. This particular one was in San Diego for software engineering or mechanical engineering, I'm sorry. And um, we had over 300 applicants and the VP in charge was just too tightly bound by his schedule. He wasn't getting interviews in. 
And one gentleman, Tomas, had followed up with me on LinkedIn, and he was literally the only person who had messaged me on LinkedIn out of the entire candidate pool. And I told him, I'm sorry, you know, we've got an unresponsive hiring manager. And just when I thought the position was closed, we had literally closed it out. It was off the books. He messaged me again and he said, hey, you know, any updates? And I said, you know what? I like this kid. I looked at his resume. It looked good. Um, I forwarded his LinkedIn profile to to the VP in question. And he said, yeah, I'm going to interview him tomorrow at 9 a.m set it up. He was hired by the end of the day. Now we have an intern where it would have gone unfilled. Um, This happens more than you think, where people will reach out on LinkedIn or via email or however, and just the squeaky wheels, man, they just get the grease. Because if you have the guts, especially as a 20-something intern, you know, coming out of college, to really step up and make those connections. I mean, it, it really goes a long way because someone like me will be an advocate for someone like Tomas because I saw he had the initiative. I saw he had the drive. Um, we're very pleased with him. He's already started. And um, I just, I honestly think if more people took the initiative to reach out to the recruiter who's hiring or to someone like me, I think they'd get a lot further. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think it's one of those things where people think that just applying is enough. It's and, never enough. And then just, <laughs> but, and and you, like you said, one out of 300 followed up on LinkedIn. I mean. Yeah, yeah, over 300. Right. And literally, literally, he was the only one who took the time not only to send the initial message, but then not to get discouraged by a lack of response. Like I responded to him and said, I'm sorry, this is not even on this guy's radar right now. And then he followed up two months later and he's like, by the way, I'm still available. Is there any way? And I said, you know what? Maybe there is. And honestly, if there are a host of other people who had followed up, who probably would have gotten the job before him, but because they didn't take that extra step of following up, but he did. He got the job and now he's flourishing. And, you know, it just goes to show that little extra something that shows you're worthwhile will go a long way with an employer. Yeah, I think that and and it's and it's so funny. It's not even that it's that strenuous of a activity to do. I mean, it was a two line message. <laughs> right. It was it was a two line in mail and I accepted his in mail and you know, I can't help everyone who reaches out to me. Sometimes they reach out about jobs that are already closed or we have an internal candidate or maybe they're just not in the running. But for something like this, especially with these high volume situations, if you're applying for an executive assistant role or a reception role or one of these roles where there are a lot of junior level applicants and they're all willing to take the job. You know, setting yourself apart and really taking that extra initiative and step to reach out to somebody with maybe a little bit of a scary title like head of talent acquisition. Like he did not hold back. And I have the utmost respect for that because that just shows a lot of initiative. Now, is there any kind of advice you can give folks that are because a lot of organizations are relying on data and automation to um, go through the candidates. Is there anything that a candidate could do to leverage that same data and analytics to work in their favor? So there is kind of a, 
little life hack that I like to tell people about. And what you do is you pull up their job description, and this involves extra work. This is not one of those just click a million buttons and apply to 100 jobs. This is when you want to apply to five in a day, but you want them to be quality applications. So first, you take the job description, and then I tell people literally plagiarize. Pull the bullets out, put it in your resume if, in fact, you can back that information up. So let's say it says two to three years of experience with software engineering. You go in there and then copy and paste it in and then put whatever your number is, two years of experience with software engineering. And then if it says something like must know C++, put in your resume, I know C++. (laughs) And I mean, literally go line by line because when there are ATSs, and we don't use these because we're small enough, but with some of these big companies, you know, if you're applying to a Bank of America or a FedEx, what you want to do is as closely resemble your resume to their job description because they're going to pick up, the ATS is going to automatically pick up on all these skills and keywords, and it's going to provide a match score of some sort, and, and it really helps you beat the system. Honestly, though, with those big companies, I still advise, you know, they may be getting a thousand applicants, the ATS may get rid of half of them, you've still got a recruiter who's tasked with going through the remainder, set yourself apart, reach out to the recruiter, do some research on LinkedIn, you know, figure out how to get a hold of them and then do it. And, um, you know, look, pull up the company, search for an org chart, you know, do what you have to do, because it's the out-of-the-box thinkers that ultimately make their way through the hiring process. And unless you're in a super niche role, like, for example, we have certain Intel analyst roles where you have to have a full-scope polygraph and you have to have, like, 25 years of experience. Those people know who they are. They know everybody wants them. They can just show up and the job is theirs. But for, for someone who's maybe trying to break in, someone who graduated in, in 2022 or 2021, 2020, you know, you want it, you're trying to break into a very competitive market, even though there are a lot of jobs. So you have to differentiate yourself. Now, in your career, have you been active in associations and taken leadership roles? I have, yes. Um, Going back as far as 2008, I was with the Junior League of Fresno for several years there. Um, And I was on the board, um, did some good work with them. And then um, since about November, because I kind of took over early because some pre-planning hadn't been done, but Basically, for 2022, I am the VP of Programs for San Diego Society for Human Resource Management. And then um, as of March, I want to say March of 2022, I've taken over a three-year stint as a board member for the Association of Talent Acquisition Professionals. Now, that kind of work, joining a board, volunteering, taking leadership roles, it seems like, wow, I got so much to do. Do I have to do that too? But I, I just find that those are the people who take those roles are the ones that are thriving and they're, 
they're rarely kind of unemployed. They're, somebody wants them on their team because they're showing leadership. They're demonstrating this. Has that been the case for you where, where that Absolutely. kind of work has kind of, it pays off in ways that maybe you can't even it anticipate? It pays dividends in ways you wouldn't even imagine. For example, um, my work with the Association of Talent Acquisition Professionals, I'll be honest, I don't even know how I got on the board. I interviewed, apparently I did well, and then I beat someone out in a vote. And um, for whatever reason, I found my way onto this board. And it is a board of some of the most intelligent, experienced, powerful people in talent acquisition. We have people who run their own companies. We have people who are VP, head of talent acquisition for iSIMS. We've got the um, VP, head of talent acquisition for Ford. Um, we've we've got some real high flyers there, and I'm I'm kind of the little fish in a really uh, occupied pond, if you will. But one of the the only reason I bring all of that up is to say that I now have access to these key decision makers with all of this wealth of knowledge, and I have benefited so much just from my association with them. I have so much more knowledge. Um, I switched my ATS in December of 2019, early 2020, and um, I realized from being around these folks, I did it all wrong, and I think a lot of us don't have the opportunity for exposure to these really strong minds because you know, we don't necessarily have the opportunity to be on a phone call with them and pick their brain. And I think one of the biggest benefits of association leadership is getting around the cream of the crop, the people who are giving back, the people who have worked their way up. And if you're someone who's more junior, that's not necessarily a barrier to entry, because if you show the willingness to volunteer, you prove yourself on a committee level, quite often they'll move you up into a leadership role. And frankly, I mean, it does wonders for your career. And it's a resume builder. I haven't looked for a job in boy, almost four years now. But, um, you know, when the time comes, it, it serves as a really good reference point for my skill set, because, you know, I'm approving a PNL, you know, I'm looking at, you know, historical data, I'm building content, I'm helping with membership drives, like there's, there's a lot of different things that goes into this. And then within my role with San Diego Sherm, I'm, uh, you know, because I'm the VP of programs, I'm meeting all of these great speakers to line them up for our breakfast programs. And so I'm talking to CEOs, I'm talking to authors, people who have written books, some of them are both. Um, it's just really great connections. And God forbid, let's say my company was acquired by another company and my role was eliminated. I guarantee within two weeks, I'd have if not another job already, I'd be well into the interview process because I have a lot of resources in terms of my network. And another thing is that even in your work, if you had a question or a challenge or something came oh, up yeah. that you didn't know, you now have, you know, the movers and the shakers that can say, yeah, I, I've had that happen to me and I can hear some recommendations. Oh God, completely. They will point you in the right direction. I'm um, both at Sherman ATAP. I've gotten some really good references. I mean, really good references to software, to um, just methods to approach recruitment, to managing a team, to managing up to leadership, how to talk to people in the C-suite. 
I mean, there's just a lot of benefit I've derived from the overall experience. And it's not all about me. I'm doing it to give back. I don't have kids. Like I have a very understanding fiance. It's okay if I spend a few hours a month on, you know, on conference calls for board meetings and then some extra work on the weekends, you know, doing whatever activities and things that we have going. But um, really for what I put into it, I would say I definitely derive like exponential value compared to what I put in. Now, any advice, you know, maybe from a time management uh, standpoint that, that you can share? It sounds like you're good at juggling a lot of things. Yeah. So just setting boundaries around what times are available. Um, I made sure that I found out right up front when all of the board meetings were held and they were scheduled consistently on the same days of the month. And so just making sure folks understood that that was kind of sacred time that needs to be devoted to the meetings. I mean, obviously, if there's an emergency, I can get out of a meeting, but I really prefer not to. Um, Also, just really setting aside a few hours or just maybe even an hour every day to just sit down and look at my responsibilities, see if there's anything I can be working on, send emails, communicate with the people I need to be in communication with. Honestly, I find it's a lot of sending emails and then grabbing quick meetings here and there. It's not a huge time commitment, but it's meaningful work. Yeah. And if you know in advance, it's kind of easy to block the time and just kind of account for it. I don't do a lot of last minute stuff with my organizations. Usually it's well thought out in advance. And we're very, very fortunate to have um, executive association leaders helping us out. Um, For San Diego Sherm, we have Emily Mullen. She is very, very capable she does an excellent job as executive director. And then we have Kristen LeBlanc for ATAP. And, um, you know, she's just a powerhouse. <laughs> They're both very dynamic women who just keep us on track, keep us honest, you know, help us rein ourselves in if we're having too many ideas all at once and maybe it's not actionable. So they really are, um, they they're practitioners and they walk a fine line between bossing us around and accommodating us completely. So I don't know how they do it. Honestly, I couldn't do that role, but they do one heck of a job. Now, any advice for uh, folks that were maybe in your shoes, the young person that assumed a role on a board, was there like kind of a 30 day, 90 day plan that you had that allowed you to kind of ease into the role and not feel overwhelmed or even, um, you know, have some of that, sometimes people have that imposter syndrome. Yeah. And, and there's a little bit of that. I tend to be a very strong, decisive personality, but when I don't know my environment that well, I tend to keep my mouth shut and just listen. What do they say? Better to be a fool with your mouth shut than open your mouth and remove all doubt. Right. So, Mm -hmm. So I've spent the first couple of months on both boards, just kind of, you know, keeping my head down, doing a lot of listening, asking a lot of questions, um, I don't know if I would exactly call it imposter syndrome, but I, you know, I, I will admit to being a little in awe of the people I'm working with because, you know, they are so established in their careers and in their industries. Um, depending on the organization, you may or may not have a thorough onboarding process. Um, my onboarding for ATAP was superior. Um, the executive director forwarded me everything I needed to know in terms of documents and then took an hour to just explain it all to me, which 
um, was unique in my experience because like when I was with junior league, it, it was, it was kind of a hot potato that just kind of landed in your lap. Um, and San Diego Sherm, the previous incumbent of the VP of programs role, she did a handoff, but it, it, was not as comprehensive in terms of documentation, so to speak. But regardless, they will, for the most part, get you up to speed. Sometimes you're thrown into the mix and you have to just kind of produce without a lot of tools and maybe background knowledge. But either way, like if you just stick with it for a few months, you'll have it down pat. It it gets easy, I promise you. Now, if somebody wants to learn uh, more about your journey or connect with you, what is the best way to do that? Well, probably through LinkedIn. Um, Hold on. I recently changed my LinkedIn and let me give it to you because it's a little long. It is LinkedIn.com backslash IN backslash, sorry, Sarah Peck, all one word, S-A-R-A-H-P-E-C-K dash Sherm dash S-C-P backslash. And uh, you can reach me to spec at avex.com for more business related questions. I'm also open to taking, you know, requests for mentorship, things like that. I don't have a ton of extra time, but I will take the time aside for a, you know, 30 minute phone call just to answer some questions and let you know kind of about the interview process for various organizations and how you do get into a leadership role. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for sharing your story. You're doing such important work and we appreciate you. No problem. I appreciate you, Lee. Thanks so much for having me on. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Association Leadership Radio. (laughs) 